Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Data Femme podcast focused on building diversity and inclusion in the data science space. If you like machine learning, artificial intelligence, and all things data, this podcast is definitely for you, and we promise to keep it fresh, lit, and sometimes even spicy. I'm Danielle, Commander-in-Chief of Dikayo Data, and I'm with data scientists Elise Otilia Ramirez and Ayodeli Odubella to kick off drumroll data firm. So this is the first Data Femme podcast, and I'm just so honored to have the two of you here to launch with me. Um, all of our topics are going to center around diversity and inclusion, but we really want to make sure that these buzzwords generate the results that they're meant to and not just float around in this atmosphere waiting to be deployed, um, making companies look good that aren't really doing anything about it. Um, so... Let's just hear a little bit about your background for both of you. Um, I know a little bit about it myself, but our audience doesn't. So Ayudeli, do you want to go first? And then Elise, you can follow with your background. That's perfect. Um, I'm Ayodeli Odabella. I'm a data scientist at MindBody. Uh, we make a lot of fitness software and a lot of different studios around the country are able to use our software and it just makes checking in and going to the gym and finding new classes in different cities a little easier. Um, I got my start in working in marketing for startups actually and then that role turned into a little bit more marketing analytics and I chose to go back to school to get my master's degree in data science. Hi, so I'm Elise Ramirez. Uh, I have a background in biomedical science, which kind of led me to bioinformatics and learning more about Python. Uh, eventually, I kind of converted to a SQL developer, uh, and along those lines, kind of developed those core skills uh, of any data scientist, kind of unintentionally, uh, which led me to learning more about the field of data science and machine learning. Uh, so I was previously a data scientist at Spirit Airlines working with price recommendation engines and um, a little bit more propensity modeling, customer analytics. Uh, and now currently I am a data science fellow at Insight Data. That's great. Um, I think both of you are working on really cool projects and, you know, it's just interesting to hear from both of you because Elise, you know, you went through a transition recently from corporate to, um, you know, a fellowship that's going to really amplify the skills you already have and moving forward. And Ayodeli, I know that you're starting up a podcast. So I do want to start with you because um, the topic of your podcast that we talked about earlier kind of carries into what the topic of everything we're supposed to be discussing is. So yeah, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that your mission is to highlight the risks that go along with AI's growth if we don't make sure to incorporate women and people of color into all of our critical decisions. Um, can you tell me about what inspired you initially to fight for this and what some of the most problematic risks you see are? 
Absolutely. So I think a lot of that really stems from what I see as growing trends in AI. Um, it is starting to take off at that rate where we have to really question not only our intentions, but are the people contributing to these projects really inclusive of the people who are going to be impacted? I actually did a lot of research when I was in grad school and uh, one of my I actually found out that my program had a lot more of a focus on ethics than a lot of other places. So we're creating algorithms and 22-year-old MIT grads end up working at Google or at Amazon and on facial recognition without having a real understanding of who it impacts. Um, the, one, of the, one of the resources I really love that kind of opened my eyes was a book called Weapons of Math Destruction by Kathy O'Neill. And in it, she highlights various areas like credit scoring and recidivism algorithms that people of color and women are disproportionately uh, discriminated against. And these algorithms literally just reinforce this bias. They don't get feedback about um, prisoner outcomes, and then they just continue to make more biased decisions. So once I started to see that impact of how we are discriminated against. And um, another really influential event for me was going to the Data for Black Lives conference. Um, being able to hear from activists and speakers who are actually working against, you know, big data and its really negative impacts on me. That's really a good point. I mean, I think going to live events really does help us see things in a really profound way because all of us are in the same space, stuck together, looking at each other's faces. I know that um, NOLA Black Tech had a huge event that I went to where, like, you know, a lot of new companies, um, like, were hiring and ready to talk about diversity and inclusion. And when you see a room full of diversity with people who are just you know, as talented as the white males we see on stage just talking about the same old things, you know, that's empowering. It really, really is. Um, Elise, I'm curious to hear about the differences that you've noticed so far being at Insight versus um, where you were before, you know, in the corporate world, like does diversity present itself differently and how so? Sure. So I think that's a really interesting question. Um, so a little bit more about Insight Data Science. It's really a fellowship meant for those with uh, PhD, postdocs, PhD candidates, etc., cetera, uh, to really transition from academia into industry, uh, specifically for data science, AI, data engineering, and things along those lines. Um, so what I really appreciate about the fellowship thus far is that there seems to be a pretty even split between men and women, uh, which I really wasn't anticipating early on, but I think that has been a great uh, thing to see uh, since being here. Um, I would still say there definitely needs to be a lot more work in terms of uh, racial diversity, uh, both in the field and in this program and uh, in corporate America as well. Um, so including myself, there are only two black women in this fellowship. Um, it doesn't seem like there are there have been a long standing uh, high percentage of black individuals in any of these fellowships or programs. 
Um, and also in my experience uh, in corporate America, I pretty much saw the same thing where there were a lot less women uh, and especially women of color. So that's definitely something that I would love to continue to see and to help uh, lead the way for that pipeline. Um, I think it's partly a problem with the pipeline of getting more people of color, especially women of color, um, in the tech field, but I think really having them stay in the tech field uh, is probably the the biggest obstacle that, that we're really facing. It's just a lot of the toxicity of the environments that are kind of created uh, and, and just the lack of diversity in itself just makes it really difficult for them to to stay in this area and kind of promote that diversity within themselves. That's a really good answer. I mean, honestly, I've been wanting to catch up with you on that for um, a few days now since you started. So, I mean, we're doing it on a live platform, but hey, that works. Now everybody gets to hear your wisdom. Um, I We're not here to be nice and calm and not make waves. You know, like, I want to ask the controversial questions, even if they might seem a little, you know taboo, unfamiliar. So I want both of y'all's takes, because we're all here women of color. I do want to ask you what you notice um, between women, you know, who don't identify as POCs versus us when we're in the industry. Because, I mean, I think we can all agree that, you know, female talent in data science is like a marginalized area. I mean, it is, Mm -hmm. but like, what is that? What happens when we add, um, you know, our ethnicity to that? You know, I think that's a really interesting question because on one hand, as like a professional, who's a woman of color, you always are kind of on edge about who you can trust. And I think a lot of times it's easier for us to let our guard down around other women. We see, hey, you know, we may not both be people of color, but we may have some of the same interests at heart. And in my experience, unfortunately, that hasn't really been the case. And uh, for me personally, working with not some, but not all uh, white women has been more difficult. I've seen... um, cases where I felt like they almost wanted it to be harder for me. But then again, I've also had some really uh, great mentors at the same time. But when it comes to other women of color, unfortunately, especially in any area of tech, we are few and far between. But um, I've noticed I've made very strong relationships and those people end up being part of my tribe. But um, I actually notice more advocacy on my behalf from a lot of my white male peers versus my some of the white female peers I've had. Um, I would definitely agree. Um, it's kind of if you're familiar with that Spider-Man meme where there are like two twin Spider-Mans who like see each other. That's how I really feel um, whenever I see another black woman, especially in tech or data science. It's just kind of like, oh, wow, there's another one. Um, and it really shouldn't be that way. You know, there should definitely be uh, women of color in these higher positions, which are really allowed to be mentors. And uh, you don't necessarily need a mentor that looks like you, but I think it's just really nice to be able to see someone who is able to make it through the ranks. And that's something that I have yet to see uh, 
uh, in my personal experience in corporate um, America. Um, But what I do see a lot is a focus on sexism. It seems like that isn't taboo to speak about in the workplace, but I have rarely ever hear people mention anything about racism and really addressing it. Uh, and I think when you have the interaction of both sexism and racism, that really brings about a lot of toxicity and a lot of microaggressions. And it can just be really frustrating to deal with that. Um, I have situations where my male counterparts, especially my white male counterparts, um, just seem to to want to test my intelligence and kind of question everything that I do pretty highly. Uh, And it just doesn't make for much of an environment for growth or support, which is something that I think a lot of us pretty much lack. And that's why it's difficult to really be retained in these types of fields. Uh, But within my own experience, sometimes I feel as though my presence may offend people Uh, and that it may actually limit the possibilities of certain uh, jobs uh, and things along those lines just because I don't fit into what they normally see. Uh, And that's something that I'm still trying to kind of break out of within myself. Wow. Um, Honestly, like, I took a gasp in when you said that. That that is a painful emotion to have for somebody so talented, I think, you know, probably Iodeli and I, I mean, I can relate to that, um, you know, feeling like we're liabilities because we're different. Um, that is something that I think can really drive our motivation to stop this bias. Um, I will say on the flip side, I have met a lot of people lately that, you know, dispel that kind of negativity. I have met some people that surprised me. Um, Ayodele, you were saying earlier that, you know, as a woman of color, we're always kind of gauging who we can trust when it comes to, you know, meeting new people, sharing our skills. And, you know, I have had traumatic experiences, but I still really try to go in with the assumption of I belong here and you're going to give me credit. And recently I met somebody um, actually who gave me way more credit than I even felt I deserved. And it wasn't patronizing. It was just very genuine. And, you know, he was male, granted like a male of color, but still, you know, um, And I think that was really encouraging. And that's why I want to have male allied guests on this podcast, because I think, you know, we need as women of color to see that, you know, allies are important and can help us, even though, you know, the general trend is still in a lot of ways against us. Absolutely. I think that allies are so important because unfortunately, if you are a marginalized person, Part of that is realizing there is an imbalance of power and as strong as women of color are and really speaking up for ourselves and trying to create this room at the table for ourselves, if we don't have allies, it's one of those things that can easily be brushed under the rug. Um, so I think that's incredibly important. And even on top of that, kind of to piggyback what off what you were mentioning, Elise, I've noticed too, especially in so many places, it feels like you have to balance or that there's this trade-off with how much of yourself you feel like you can bring to work. 
So for me, I don't want to say like my music choices are stereotypical, but like I listen to like Megan Thee Stallion and Drake and have really diverse and probably, you know, not within the standard range of everyone else in the office. But at the same time, I notice that the people I work with are more comfortable with me when I have a wig on or really straight hair versus when I wear my natural hair. So it's interesting, um, kind of feeling like you can't totally relax and you, uh, need to change certain things to fit in in some of these corporate spaces. I think that's what makes me personally really move away from wanting to be in corporate spaces. And I think that um, can be good and can be bad. It's bad because uh, I just feel like I'm letting go of opportunities and experiences. I have one of my best friends who was talking to me yesterday about, you know, he asked me like, Hey, like, <laughs> have you ever worked at a job? That's not a fun job or a job. That's like, you know, just a job to make money and exchange your skills for free time. And, you know, just things that people want, I guess. And my response was that I really just feel like I want to try going into business for myself again, because I, you know, really love that. And I love, um, you know, interacting with other like really powerful women like y'all. And I think that I'm able to do that more as a business owner because then I don't have to worry about is my personality too lit? Like is my, you know, way of carrying myself, you know, different than what an employer might expect, you know, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like we have to command respect from more traditional spaces. And I don't, I do want to go into business for myself, but I don't want that to be like a cop out because I feel like nobody's going to want me. Nobody's going to want my skills. Um, and that kind of segues into, I guess I want you two to share, um, something that you've recently experienced that might've been traumatic in terms of, uh, discrimination or bias that you overcame in a specific way. Cause I think our audience listening could be really empowered by that. Um, just seeing how you were able to overcome and become even more successful. Yeah. For me, that was a little bit, uh, more about changing careers. So I mentioned I worked in marketing. My undergrad is in media and digital communications. So when any tech company sees that, they see communications and don't think I have any technical skills. Um, And so a couple years ago, I was trying to get into data science. I had a couple analyst positions on my resume, and I had such a hard time just getting in the door, getting on the phone with someone, um, and job hunting previously, as far as marketing was concerned, didn't seem to be nearly as difficult. And I knew that I was changing careers, but I had a lot of skills like A-B testing, um, running like regression analysis that most people who are just analysts don't necessarily do day to day. And I was really striving for that like data scientist job title. Um, So for me, part of that I completely understand that this can't be an option for everyone was definitely going back to school. I feel like, um, you know, people ask me a lot if a master's degree was worth it. And as a woman of color whose background was not in something technical, absolutely. I don't think I would have the job I have if it weren't for that to verify that I knew what I was doing. Um, 
And it's hard because I don't think that that's necessarily the right option for everyone, but I think it's important for just women and people of color in general to understand, like most of us already do, we're typically not starting from the same point. We're not starting at the same starting line, the assumption that you know what you're doing. Um, Higher education is one way to overcome that a little bit, but it's definitely not the only way. It just kind of it happened to work for me. Yeah, um, I would say uh, a couple examples that I have um, from my corporate experience would really be the fact that I noticed a lot of favoritism towards my white male counterparts um, in, in maybe getting promotions, getting raises, things along those lines. And I know this is true of a lot of people of color. Um, whenever we take on an opportunity, we feel like we have to um, without a doubt, show that they made the right decision and that we're going to work, you know, every single minute that we possibly can, maybe skip lunch, work on the weekends, um, and really show everything that you did for us was worth it. And, you know, taking that risk to hire us was worth it. Um, but then we see a lot of our white male counterparts uh, specifically kind of not really putting in the same amount of work, but still being able to get those higher level opportunities and were kind of just bypassed. Um, and that was something that I experienced in my previous role um, where there were there was an individual who didn't have the same technical skills that I did, didn't come in with at least a couple years of experience like that that I had, uh, especially in like SQL, working with Python, doing some data analytics. Um, but he was, for whatever reason, kind of just always heavily valued. Um, and we just didn't have the same skill level. But for whatever reason, they were still grooming him very much for those managerial roles. And I was just told that, you know, I have to take baby steps. I'll get there eventually. Um, but for me, I feel like that was definitely something that I've experienced in the in a couple of roles that I've had uh, since graduating and being in corporate America. And it just seems like something that that you just kind of have to work through in in some ways, but in what ways I'm still trying to kind of deal with. Because uh, it can be extremely frustrating knowing that you deserve something, but you're not getting it uh, and seeing someone else kind of easily get that and kind of figuring, uh, is it my race? Is it my, uh, my gender? Is it a combination of the two? Uh, those can really create a lot of frustrating thoughts, uh, especially when you're trying to work so hard towards that, those goals. You both have had, I mean, dare I say revolutionary thoughts on this podcast. Um, I'm getting teary eyed. It's fine. You know, the more you interact with me and I mean, I, Adeli, we're going to be on your podcast again. You'll see that I'm a bit of a sap for the data science industry um, and with all it. of my it's emotions great. and, you know, want, just thriving for community. But I guess what I want to end with is, you know, just a real simple question that I think both of you have touched on, but I, I just, I think that you two are some of the best people to answer this, you know, how can we support each other? Like, um, as women of color, as women, as people of color, you know, even like just as an industry, I'm not excluding white males. Like, you know, in fact, some of my biggest supporters 
um, have been white males. So, like, how can we make this a supportive movement and not an exclusive movement and, you know, really make it succeed? I think part of that is really starting from the foundation. Um, like you said, Elise, there's a huge, I don't want to say the, the pr only problem is the pipeline, but the reason that we have issues with the pipeline or we're not seeing um, as many really strong black and brown candidates come in is really that early education. Unfortunately, we are left behind so early in fundamental subjects like math that really lead into so much of what we do, especially in data science. Um, so I would say try and support any local kids who um, are interested in tech. One of my ways of doing that is really trying to break down the mathematical aspects that are important for creating these cool AI algorithms to their very, very, very basic uh, beginnings so that anybody can understand them. And I think it really is like, we have to get to a point in a society where our algorithms are public. Um, I don't think that we're going to see the kind of equality we want without having more public algorithms. So let's be real, most tech companies, they don't have to have their algorithms, algorithms be IP. And the ones that are impactful to us as a society should be open. So if you're listening to this, uh, a lot of the ways that you can impact uh, is really just trying to help out your community. And I like to practice just really radical positivity. When you see someone doing something good, I tend to lurk on social media, but just take that extra step to support them. Let them know that you can, you're there to listen, even if, you know, you may not know them personally. It does mean a lot to people, even online. I want to add something quickly, um, just before Elise, you take it away, but you both know very well who Daria is. She's kind of made a name for herself as a data scientist on Twitter and it's awesome. Um, but she is going to join with me, um, on kind of my latest venture, um, with Dikayo data. And she's actually thinking about putting together a project database where people can either pay or enter competitions to, um, you know, have their projects featured. And I think, it would be great if it could be pretty much, um, you know, limited to people of color, maybe even women and non-binary um, genders, people of color. So uh, that's something to look out for because what you said, I just, you know, I was silently going, yes, um, <laughs> because that's what we've been talking about. So I think what we'll see is more um, women of color get together to brainstorm like this. I think a lot of us probably have similar ideas and, you know, we can just band together to make it happen. Definitely. Uh Going back to uh, supporting each other, especially in data science and in the tech field, I would say a problem that I see pretty often uh, is competition. I feel like everybody kind of sees each other more as competition than really as co-workers or colleagues. Um, 
And maybe that's because you do see certain people getting those better opportunities, getting those raises. Um, So the knowledge that you have, you're not necessarily generous in sharing that and helping other individuals grow as well. So I think that competition mindset really needs to be broken, where we're able to support one another, educate one another, and give feedback that ha- that actually helps and uh, isn't always negative. Um, and that's something that I've definitely experienced quite a lot. So I think just having a supportive environment where we can help and want to see each other grow is really important, uh, along with just being empathetic. I, I mean, obviously, it's impossible for me to understand how every other person of every other race, gender, uh, sexual orientation feels, um, but you can empathize with all of those people uh, just by taking that into consideration and trying to be an active ally to all of these individuals and just being more mindful about the the things that you say, how you say them, and things along those lines can go really far, can go a really far way, especially in this field. So um, I think just supporting one another allowing each other to grow and wanting each other to grow um, is going to be a great way for us to continue moving through this field uh, where it's not a toxic environment. So any person of any race, any sexual orientation or gender can feel supported and can be retained in this field. Thank you both so much. You've been incredible. Um, I really appreciate you being part of this first podcast episode. It's been so fun just to, you know, have this space to talk. And I know we're probably just going to get back on Twitter right away and talk to each other some more. Um, But I hope that whomever is listening uh, wants to get involved in, you know, this data femme community that we're building. And um, whoever is interested in the movement, stay tuned. Um, Find us on Twitter and uh, just keep fighting for your space in the data science industry because it's one of the most valuable things um, to have diverse opinions. And I just want to thank you both for being here.